This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Joining me on the phone today is Mike Montali, who is the founder, singer, and guitarist for Hollis Brown. You guys have been around since 2009, right? Well, yeah, we started kind of hanging out in 2009, but we didn't really start playing until probably 2012. We just spent a lot of time uh, lounging around, I guess. <laughs> ah, the life, the life of a musician. Well, Hollis Brown yeah. is coming to the Rams Head on stage on Friday, August 27th for a show at 7.30 p.m. And you can get your tickets at ramsheadonstage.com. You certainly want to check out hollisbrown.com as well. Uh, to get a little bit of an idea of who Hollis Brown is, and you really should do that there. Um, and, you know, I know that I did some background. I mean, the band is named after Dylan's song, The Ballad of Hollis Brown. Yeah, we, um, you know, back in those early days when we were just hanging out in, in John's dad's garage in Ozone Park, Queens, we were we were trying to figure out, We took it took us a few years to kind of figure out what, what music we really wanted to make. You know, growing up in Queens, there's so many different uh diverse kind of you know and things that we like because we've been exposed to and hearing bob dylan and the velvet underground and, and the stones that was the stuff that we we kind of bonded over and we had heard that the stones picked their name from a muddy water song so we said well let's find uh let's find a dylan tune since we want to you know be songwriters and and Hollis Brown kind of stuck. It's funny you just mentioned Muddy Waters, and his daughter is having a jazz and blues festival this weekend here in oh, really? in, in Annapolis. And she was telling us all sorts of stories. She said that Keith Richards and Mick Jagger and Eric Clapton were over at the house all the time working with Muddy when she was growing up and everything else. So it's uh, it was kind of neat. Uh, to be a fly on the wall, right? Oh, my gosh, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you, if the walls could talk, that's for sure. But I mean, but Hollis Queens never played into that because you are from Queens in in New York. Yeah, we're from Queens. Um, you know, Hollis Queens kind of played into it a little bit. It, it was it was definitely the uh, the cherry on top, I would say, but it wasn't the initial inspiration for naming the band. All right. Well, you you and your co-founder Jonathan Bonilla, right? You guys went to high school together. Yeah, we went to high school together, and. Um, Right around in right around uh, Hollis Queens, so it's all linked, I guess. How did the whole collaboration start? I mean, did you were you guys in a band in school? Were you, you know, uh, we were we were kind of um, around the same group of friends and and the people who kind of were creative, I guess, and wanted to make music. But you know, in New York, like I said, everybody was either wanting to make hip hop or like really aggressive hardcore music, and, and we leaned in more toward the you know, rootsy Americana kind of classic rock, you know, really great songwriting vibe. And so that kind of bonded us. And we both went away to school for a year. Uh, he went to York School of Music. I went to University of Delaware. And we said, well, let's, let's go back to New York and give this a try. So we kind of came back and spent a few years just honing our skills. And then uh, probably about 2011, 2012, we started really playing out in the city and, and started gigging locally. And then we put our first album out in 2013 and uh, things kind of spread. We started getting into the region and then going over to Europe and then, you know, it's just been growing every, every year for us. Is, is New York like, uh, I hate to use the term, but ground zero for band starting. Do you think, I mean, is that, is that the city that you need to be in if you're in a band that's, Starting uh, up I don't think so. I don't think so. I think um, you just got to be around uh, like, you know, like-minded people, I think, who, who want to 
want to work at it. You know, being in a band is hard work. A lot of people don't realize it. They just think it's all fun, but there's a lot of sweat equity that you got to put into it. And if, if you're willing to travel and you're willing to give it a go, you can kind of do it everywhere, anywhere, especially now in the digital age. But New York is a great place because every week you can kind of go out and see something and, and be right. exposed to something and be influenced by something. So I think as a creative person, you know, it gets the senses going and, and there's really a community here. But, you know, you, you can kind of find it anywhere, I guess. True, true. Well, I'll tell you, I was all over you in Spotify this past week, and uh, you're you're welcome. Spend that three cents wisely. Um, yeah, thank you. you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was funny. I was listening to you know your library of music that you guys have there, and I was somewhat trying to define you. And I mean, I hate to go like, oh, well, you sound like so and so and so and so, which I'm sure you hate to hear that. I mean, because you guys have your own original sound. And I again, I was coming up with sort of mixed signals, trying to figure out what it was, and then. I read this uh, Spin Magazine, I guess, back in 2009, had said, and, and this has got to be one of the greatest lines I've ever read, but said that you are fizz and pop like fat back on a greasy skillet. Oh, and, wow. All right. And, and I was like, okay, if you can envision that, I, th- I think you've got it. I mean, you're not pigeonholed, but you are, you know, it's it's exciting. It's good music. It's great music. It's rock. Um, you know, it's got Americana roots in, roots in there as well. And everything else. And I know that you've said that Hollis Brown is the last of the great American rock bands, right? Well, I haven't said it. Some, I, I, sometimes I feel it, but some, a few other journalists have said it. But, you know, for us, it's just kind of, we just want to be in that lineage, I guess. You know, like all those bands that we like and that we listen to. And, and hopefully we're carrying on some type of American rock thing that I think is really missing uh, in a lot of ways in the culture and, and we're trying to keep it going in a lot of ways. Admirable. Admirable. Well, who, who do you, who do you think are the great ones that came for you? Obviously you met you mentioned the velvet underground. Yeah. You know, Credence, big influence on us. Uh, Credence, Clearwater Revival, Almond Brother, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you know, um, stuff like that. Even into, even into the, you know, Nirvana and, and, and stuff like that into the nineties and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of bands, but it, it seems like something happened there uh, after the Strokes or after uh, even the, the White Stripes and the Black Keys in that early 2000s period where I think uh, like American rock bands kind of got too concerned with, I don't know if it's the digital thing or what, but they got a little too concerned with um, trying to write a hit or trying to be relevant or I don't know what, you know, but being authentic and, and just trying to create something good from the heart seems to be not the um, not the goal for musicians nowadays, unfortunately. You know, it's it's funny. I was talking to a band several years ago, and I'm drawing a blank on their name, but they developed their whole sound and their whole business model, if you will. And I mean, you know, being a band is, is a business. Let's not, you know, kid. I mean, as you said, it's a lot of sweat equity, but a lot of hard work and everything else. I mean, but... They were they crafted their whole business around getting a you know a theme song in for a an Amazon or a Netflix series or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know. It just sort of took something out of it. I mean, because it threw it all into the studio. We've created this to be part of you know whatever it may be, as opposed to getting out there and really interacting with the people. And I mean, there's nothing better 
than live. And and these guys were horrible live. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, it's kind of short-sighted, I think, too, because, sure, you get that Amazon thing. And we've, we've been fortunate enough to have things like that happen to us in, our, in the band's career. Um, but then it's, you know, what's next? And if you're not willing to just keep working and keep playing and keep performing and keep trying to connect with people, I think, you know, is, is the key to it and, and creating stuff that is from your soul. I think that's going to take you farther long term. And a lot of people are just want to play music and then do it for a few years and then go do something else. But if you want to do it, you know, as a lifestyle, you know, it's, it's a slow burn sometimes and you got to be, you got to be in it for the right reasons, I think. Well, I mean, you have toured with some of the, you know, what, what I would consider some great bands and, um, you know, the Counting Crows, the Zombies, Citizen Cope. Actually, he's coming to the Ram's Head, uh, I think, like the week before you guys are. Um, oh, actually, your uh, Gets Loaded, the Hollis Brown Gets Loaded album, which is the tribute to Lou Reed and uh, the Velvet Underground. That was, a, I was listening to that earlier this morning, and that's a, that's a, that's a great album that you did there. Was that Thank a lot you. of fun to make? Yeah, it was a lot of fun to make. Uh, you know, that was one of those records that me and John really bonded over and, and we always joked to each other, like one day we're just going to show up at a, you know, show and, and play it in full just for fun. And Lou Reed had unfortunately passed away and they were doing this tribute show in New York City and they asked us to be a part of it. And basically it was a stacked with a bunch of people who were, everybody did one song, you know, and we just said, well, let's do the whole loaded record. You know, just, I don't know why, but they said, okay, you can do that, but you got to go on last. <laughs> okay. And it'll probably be around, uh, you know, 11, 11.30 p.m. And we're like, all right, that's fine. You know, and all of a sudden, like, two in the morning came around and we're still not on yet. And we're like, what's going on? But we did it and we had a blast and uh, it got really good. It got reviewed really well. I think maybe like David Frick wrote about it or something in Rolling Stone and and then uh, we were on a label at the time called Alive Records based out of California. And the, the owner of the label called me and said, oh, you know, you guys know the music already. Would you want to do something for Record Store Day? Just kind of go in and record it live. And we said, yeah, we'd love to. And uh, we did it. And it was supposed to be just a Record Store Day release, something like 500 copies. But um, they keep they keep pressing them up. And uh, everywhere we go now, it's... Uh, you know, play Sweet Jane or something like that. So it's kind of cool, you know. Yeah, ain't nothing, ain't nothing, nothing wrong with that, man. I'll tell you, and and, yeah. and I, I guess it's kind of pretty heady for you guys. That I mean, as Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground as being, you know, a, an influence for you, and a, like you said, this is a, an album that you bonded with down in um, in high school. To be, you know, fast forward now, you know, however many years that is, to have them sitting there saying, "Hey, you know, you guys play me your hero." And that goes back to, I think for us, it's an organic build and it's, you know, why we played music was because we were, you know, those, those, those artists changed our lives and, um, you know, hopefully we're a small part of the, uh, the lineage of that American rock music. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you said you've got, um, rain dance, which is off your three shots album. That was the hidden track from Bo Diddley's estate, right? Yeah, that was a collaboration with uh, the Bo Diddley estate. The, the head of the estate came to see us at a show. We just kind of got around to talking. You know, we're big music heads and big fans of rock and roll. And she had mentioned that there were a bunch of unreleased Bo Diddley songs. And, and John was the one who was like, well, 
you love to hear something just to hear it, you know? And, and so after prying that, uh, you know, lock for, uh, a few months, she finally sent something over and it was a really raw kind of really raw uh, track and no vocals or anything, just, you know, but it had the both diddly thing. And then we kind of got the nerve to say, Hey, but if we go in the studio and kind of just add to it, would you consider using it? And they were like, that could be cool. Let's, let's hear it. So we went in and, and we did the track and, and they liked it and we liked it. And it wound up uh, being on a record. So that's great. You know, and, and I think it's pretty cool that you've got these estates, these people that are in charge of these art, these greats that are really doing a good job of minding that. I mean, you know, here, here they weren't, they weren't just going to give it to anybody. They wanted to make sure that it was done right. And everything else they gave it to you with the Bo Diddley estate. I know, uh, Mercy Morganfield is doing it for Muddy Waters. Um, and you know, and she's just overly protective of it. She says like, you know, you don't use that Muddy Waters name ever. And you know, shall come after you and the whole, and which is, which is great that you've got the protection that's there. And I, I've got, I remember seeing Bo Diddley back at the Chesapeake Bay Blues Festival here in town. And I think it was 2001 with, um, Thurgood, Johnny Lang, Keb Moe. It was a great show. Oh, wow. Was, uh, stacked on up there. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they do a really good job. They haven't had it for the last couple of years, uh, obviously, because of COVID and everything else. But, yeah. you know, as it, as it affected you, I mean, you can't get out and tour. I mean, I'm sure you'd, you're excited to get back out on the road as well. But Yeah, we're ready to play, and we're excited for these shows. Um, you know, we love coming down to that Annapolis, you know, even Baltimore area, just that whole area down there. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of good music you know, a lot of music heads there and people who really appreciate it. And that venue in particular, uh, Rams had on stage. It's such a cool room and just nice people and it's a good vibe down there for sure. It is. Have you played Rams Head before? Yeah, we played down there um, a couple of years ago and at this point. I, I want to say recently, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple couple years ago. Feels you know, feels recently, but uh You're like you're yeah, like you're uh, like me. I talk about things that like oh yeah, we oh no, wait, that was like three years ago. Uh, yeah, just, you know, exactly. 2020 doesn't exist, but you've got a new album. Is it new, I guess, anymore? But it came out in 2019 called Ozone Park. And yeah, in 2019, yeah, we put out Ozone Park, and you know, we toured, we toured it for most of that year. So um, we got it in right before the you know things changed a bit. Right. Well, I was listening to that, and I I kind of uh, dig the song uh, the way she does it. Oh, thank you. And I, I was looking at the, uh, you know, at the Spotify plays and stuff like that. It's not the most popular one on there, but this is one that really just sort of resonated. It was the window fell behind on my computer and all of a sudden, well, wait, I like that. Get back, you know, and see what that was. <laughs> yeah, I, you must be like a, an, an album guy. You like the deep cuts, I guess. Yeah, I, well, I, I do. I don't like, um, I, don't, I, I don't like the streaming stuff. I mean, I, I'm old and, and crotchety and cranky and everything else, but I, I just... <laughs> There's there's something about a vinyl. There's something about listening to a whole album on you know, on the side. I mean, I, I miss that. You know, you you fall asleep and you wake up at three in the morning. And there's the records going. You know, you know, it hasn't hasn't picked up off of the end. There's something about that, and you know, it it goes hand in hand with live music to me. To be able to sit there and see. I mean, just the the stuff that is overly produced that's created completely on computers. I mean, I get the technology has evolved and everything else. It's just, uh, I think you've lost a little bit of the, uh, the purity of, of song. Live music is just, you know, incredible. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing you guys on the 27th at ramsheadonstage.com. And there are tickets still available, but now I got a question for you. Let's say you're here. You've loaded in sound check is done. 
you're walking down the street to Minneapolis, maybe going to get a hot dog down at Pip's Dogs or something like that, or a crab cake or something like that, and you run into somebody that's debating on whether seeing they want to see your show tonight. That actually happened last time we played. Really? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, well, you need to seal you need to seal the deal with one song. What song do you tell them to go listen to to make sure that they're sitting in there front and center? I would say uh, it changes a lot for me. But right now, if, if somebody said, I would say "Wait for Me, Virginia," uh, it would be the song because I think it's got the lyrical content and it's it's just a well written song, and it also has the uh, you know the chops and the guitar playing and the band kind of really crushing on it. So I would say that one would be the, the statement track from the catalog at this point. Well, I'll tell you, as we wrap this up, I will make sure that we play that at the end and we'll get the whole takedown notices from Facebook and YouTube and everything else <laughs> when we put it there, but we'll live with we'll live with that. But uh, So everybody can get a taste of Hollis Brown, who will be at the Rams Head on the 27th for one show, 7.30. You want to go to hollisbrown.com to check them out. You want to go to ramsheadonstage.com to get your tickets there. We are speaking with Mike Montali, who is the founder, singer, and guitarist with Hollis Brown.
has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday. 